Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to, you know it's fake, right? The ongoing battle with the dirtiest four-letter word in professional wrestling. I am your host, my name is Brian Breaker, and this is episode 89. Man, we are almost to 100 episodes of this show. That is absolutely crazy to think, but I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it. And I enjoy it because of great guests. Uh, last week, a lot of, lot of great compliments and uh, comments on uh, one and only Paul Puerto Rico. Paul's first time being on the show. It was really cool catching up with him. Kind of getting a chat with him about all things wrestling and, and his journey in the world of professional wrestling. But again, I think the fun part about this show is how many different types of individuals I get to come in contact with. So guys like Paul Puerto Rico are so much fun, but it's also cool to talk to a fellow podcaster. And that's who I have this week uh, from the Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast and from Drunk Wrestling History. The one and only Scott Toon is joining me again. Uh, he's been on the show uh, before last year. We had a great conversation. We always do. And, you know, I had Jeff on a few weeks ago. It's only fitting to have Scott on the show as well. So Scott is joining me this week for episode 89, which, like I said, 11 away from 100. Kind of crazy to think that that's how many episodes I've done of this show and how many different people I've come in contact with. But I think it's really cool to have new people that I've never podcasted with on the show. It's really cool to have um, returning guests like uh, like Scott this week. And I'm lining up another podcast uh, probably to record tomorrow for a few weeks down the road, which is another returning guest and a fellow podcaster. So to me, that's always fun. It's, it's really cool to just find different people, different people, excuse me, from different walks of life to join the show. It makes it fun, makes it enjoyable, and makes it different, you know, and I think that's what's that's what's fun about this. That's what keeps me doing this. So let's not waste any more time on the intro here. Let's uh, let's kick it over to my conversation with Scott Toon from the Fully Posable and Drunk Wrestling History Podcasts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, joining me on the show this week from the Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast and Drunk Wrestling History. The guy has almost as many podcasts as I do, the one and only <laughs> Scott Toon. Scott, what's going on, man? Man, thanks for having me on, Breaker. It's always a pleasure, and uh, thank you for the kind words. Thanks for the kind introduction. It's uh, definitely an honor to have almost as many podcasts as you do. <laughs> I think I'm a few short still. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those weird things. Like, me and Bane did that for uh, a while where we would constantly come up with new, different podcast ideas. And it's like, what are we doing? We need to, like, slow it down. Then we do, and then we end up creating more again. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's always ideas, right? Like yeah. something comes to you and you guys start spitballing, whatever. But yeah, trying to find the time to do all of them. Man, that's the biggest struggle, I think, in this podcasting game. Well, yeah, and I know, like, to peel the curtain back, I know when you do Drunk Wrestling History, you guys record multiple episodes at a time, correct? 
Yeah, at least two. And it just depends on what day of the week we record, if we're able to even do them in person together. A lot of times it's on FaceTime. But, yeah, you don't want to have to drink multiple times a week, so you try to consolidate, do as many as you can in one shot. Just trying to find the schedule to do that many consecutively, it's just that's the hardest part of this thing. Well, not only that, too, but this is something that if you don't podcast, you probably don't know. Let's say you guys line up, hey, we're going to do four episodes. After that many hours of recording, you're exhausted, right? Yes, absolutely. And that's kind of one of my concerns, too. And Jeff actually calls me out on it. And he'll be like, dude, which episode in a row was this one? Because you sounded like you kind of lost it towards the end. And every single time, he totally nails it. Because you're right, we've done nights, like say a Friday night, for example, we start recording at like 6 o'clock. Well, it's like 2 a.m. when we finished up our last episode, so we've been going for almost eight hours. And, yeah, you're exactly right. You reached the end of that, and it's just like a marathon. You're wiped out. And it's so weird because you wouldn't think, hey, we're going to talk for 45 minutes to an hour on something wrestling-related. That doesn't sound difficult or you know, exhausting or anything like that. But I think because you're trying to be on, you're trying to be engaging, so – you're not just chilling out. It is you are flexing muscles, and I, I don't think people outside of the podcasting world probably totally understand that. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely fun, but yeah, when you hit episode four of four being recorded, and you're on hour six, seven, eight, whatever it is, yeah, it's hard to keep that energy going and and be as excited as you were in hour one or even hour two. So yeah, it's definitely one of the harder parts of this thing for sure. Oh, definitely. But I think it's also probably cool. Like, I'm sure you dig that. One thing I enjoy is that I have, you know, this show where I can talk to individuals like you. I have Power Hour where we can kind of dive deep into what's happening in, you know, kind of modern, like what's happening in wrestling and everything else. But then I have TV Toycast where I can dive into, like, my nerdy side of, like, old toys and stuff. I feel like you kind of have that, too, where it's like one show's dedicated directly to toys and wrestling figures. The other one's like a little bit more R-rated and we can just dive into fun wrestling talk. It's good to have that mix, right? No, oh, it totally is, yeah. And it, it's one of those things, too, on Fully Posable. We talk wrestling figures, but it's hard not to, to segue or jump into what's going on in wrestling now sure. or even like what happened in wrestling way back when if we're talking about you know golden era figures, for example. But it is great to have that other outlet to do the wrestling talk only. We don't really talk wrestling figures at all on Drunk Wrestling History. But one of the ones that's come up is one of my other passions is music. And I was talking to Eddie, like you and uh, Bane, talking about, oh, you know, we could do this podcast or we could do this one. I brought up like a hair metal podcast, like all 80s, like glam metal. We'll just cover the whole thing. And then I'm like, Matt can barely find time to do two shows. How am I going to manage three podcasts? It's just, but yeah, you're right. It's one of those things you have a passion about it. You want to talk about it. And this is, it definitely whets your appetite. Once you do one, you start spitballing ideas to do a bunch of other ones. But really finding that time, that's, that's the big trick. Well, so one of my really good friends, uh, Daniel Cross, you know, I've, I've known him since I started wrestling, and we were always friends, and because collecting is not something I ever really put out there publicly up until recently, right? he was, he was a big collector too, but we, did, we didn't know that about each other, which is kind of weird. But, <laughs> so he starts hearing these, he's like, dude, I had no idea you were into figures, and I'm like, oh yeah, I've always kind of been into figures. So he's always hunting stuff and looking for vintage Ninja Turtles and things like that. He came up with a really fun podcast idea for us. And I'm like, dude, that sounds awesome. I don't know how to squeeze that in, right? So, Because <laughs> that would put you up to, what, five? They would put four me five? four for sure. So gotcha. At, at that, because, you know, I've had some that I've kind of just stopped doing. And I'm like, you know, I like doing this show because I, I enjoy talking to different people. 
And and I think that that's a really fun thing. But like maybe I can sure. like like so I'm thinking like maybe I put this down to like every every other week and I do that one. The weeks in between, I don't know. But then it's like it's you're shuffling so much. It's it becomes a job at that point, and it's there's a lot of struggle there that I, so I'm like I don't want to like tell him yeah I'll do it and then not be able to commit to it I guess. Yeah, as much fun as it sounds like, it's just, yeah, trying to find that time to squeeze it all in. But it is great to have that outlet. So, yeah, maybe yeah. if you went, like, every other week. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We were doing that for a while on Drunk Wrestling History, yeah. especially during the pandemic, because we'd always meet in person and record. And that forced us into doing FaceTime instead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we kind of had to juggle schedules a little bit. But with some openings moving to every other week, yeah, you can kind of squeeze another one in. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And, you know, like I said, I, I told him, I was like, well, maybe the first of the year I'll kind of like see what I want to do, you know, because I think with any podcast, it's, it's, you always get new ideas and you want to like, kind of like you guys started in, you know, throwing in GI Joe and I'm sure there was their, their detractors to that because it's a wrestling figure podcast. But to me, like that was great. Right. Like why not talk about it? Cause you have a lot of people that are wrestling figure collectors, but they also like GI Joe. So why not throw that in there? Uh, yeah, exactly. We had kind of talked about that, too. Do we shoot off and kind of do, like, a, a, a different fully posable show where we're just talking everything now outside of wrestling figures? The good thing was is the listeners really took to the alternate toy talk, mm-hmm. so we could talk Transformers and He-Man and G.I. Joe, all that good stuff, and people really enjoyed it, and I think that's just that crossover appeal where the guys or the people that are collecting wrestling figures, they're also collecting the other stuff, too. And isn't it funny how you mentioned your buddy that didn't know you were into collecting. It's one of those things that's widely accepted now. It's It wasn't like that, say, even four or five years ago. You would just be like, oh, yeah, I collect wrestling figures or I collect action figures. You, you, you think you get weird looks from people. Whereas now it's just, oh, okay, yeah, I do too. That's awesome. It's just more widely accepted now. I think it's great. Well, honestly, the people that don't collect, uh, you want I find more than anything, it's almost like a jealousy that they, they don't. You know, yes. like maybe it's like financially they can't or – you know, their spouse isn't into it, so they don't really, like, approve it. But it's it's almost more like – it's never been like, oh, that's lame. It's like, man, those are cool. You know, it's always yes. the response. Because I – in my old place, I had a fireplace mantle, and I had a whole bunch of Marvel Legends displayed on it. Okay. And, and it looked really cool because, I mean, you know, Hasbro does an amazing job with those figures. And I had this full mantle. I had, like, you know, the Spider-Man, the X-Men, and kind of the random all kind of thrown in there. And I'd have people come over and be like, dude, that's Awesome. Like, uh-huh. and they're all kind of like, yeah, I really can't collect, but man, man, that's <laughs> cool. You know, it's like, there was yes. not, not the response I was expecting, right? I'm expecting the lame, you buy your toys, that's so lame. But, but yeah, really, what a nerd. That, <laughs> yeah, but that really wasn't the response I got from most people. It was just kind of like, man, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. But man, that's cool. <laughs> you know, it's always, yes. That's the response. Yeah, I it's get almost like they have that regret. They can't jump into it too. But yeah, that's kind of the response I get too. Yeah, I just put up some details with Jeff a few weeks ago. And we've got all the figures in there. And I showed a couple of people, and they look at it, and they're not collectors themselves. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things, yeah, they, they totally dig what's in there. Like, man, that's awesome. And then I'll show them a different figure or something. Like, oh, I wish I could jump into that. They just – their focuses are elsewhere. But it it's almost like a little bit of regret coming out of them that they can't jump in the game too. Well, I think we all we all remember what we grew up on, right? Like, so yes. me and you, obviously similar interests, wrestling figures, He-Man, G.I. Joe, etc., we all kind of grew up on that, so why wouldn't I want to get some of it now? Like, yeah, I heard a guy at Target. This is probably probably a year ago or so. I had my nephew there. He's looking at stuff, and this guy's there with his kid, clearly not a collector. 
but he's like Masters of the Universe. Oh man, I had that as a kid. Like he, yeah. he a total deja walking down the aisle. Yeah, and I'm like, that's what it's about, though, right there. You know, like something you remember, kind of like they're bringing back starting lineups, right? And yes. We we obviously we did a, a whole episode about that on TV Toycast, but it's like people that were into those in the late '80s, early '90s might have completely got out of collecting. They see that and they're like, oh, holy crap, that's awesome, you know. And that could be their gateway back in. You know, you, you kind of find that one thing you collected as a kid, and I think a lot of people did that during the pandemic, yes. is they, they got back into stuff that kind of made them happy, and maybe they'd go back and collect, say somebody collected Turtles, they'd go buy the original four that came out in 88, and then they're looking at the toy shelves now, there's Turtle figures still there, mm-hmm. you know, or they're jumping into those high-end NECA ones. So it, it's really cool to see the people that used to collect toys that completely got out of the game, but that nostalgia kicks in, it's all the same stuff we grew up with clogging up toy aisles now. So you can walk down the tar and be like, dude, I knew like two or three of these lines as a kid. I'm just going to pick up a couple figures. Well, that's when the uh, the landslide starts. That's the slippery slope that you get into with these figures. Dude, it's hard to just collect one, right? I don't know who anyone. It's impossible. Like, yeah, who's just like, I'll buy one, like say Star Wars, right? I, I'm not a Star Wars figure collector by any stretch, but... You can't just buy Darth Vader and be like, I'm good. You know, it's like, <laughs> yes. It's same with wrestling, yes. G.I. Joe, He-Man. It's all the same. Like, you can't just buy one figure and be like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. That's all I need. You know? It's- yeah, you're 100% right. Yeah, because Jeff got into He-Man that way. I was getting the uh, the new Masters of the Universe figures from the mm-hmm. cartoon. Mm-hmm. And I had a few of them. And then Jeff saw them. Jeff liked them. And just like, oh, man, I can't get into these. Now he has more than I do. Yeah. Because he bought one or two, and that turned into like ten. And he's more hooked on them than I am. I've actually stopped collecting them. He's still going. Oh, and, and I mean, me and Jeff have talked about it. Like, he's told me, he's like, dude, I'm not really a comic book guy, but those DC multiverse figures are incredible. And I'm like, yes, they're amazing. They're absolutely fantastic. But again, it falls into that thing of like, if I collect these, I'm going to have to put something else to the side because yes. so much yeah. is coming out right now. It's impossible to collect at all. When it's all expensive, too. Yes. It's it's just out of hand. And, yeah, you're absolutely right because if you bring in a new collection, you almost have to get rid of one. And one thing that Jeff and I have talked about on Fully Posable a lot is fitting newer stuff into your collection. Do you go back and maybe start selling pieces that don't mean that much to you or that you don't really want anymore and start selling off some older pieces so you've got money to buy the newer ones and also – so clear space, you know, on your walls and your details, on your shelves, whatever, so that you can put the new stuff in. Because at the end of the day, where do you fit it all? <laughs> That's kind of the problem I've run into. Sure. Well, I mean, I'm sure you've been there, too, where you buy stuff and you kind of, like, put it up in a closet because you have nowhere to put it. It's like, why am I doing this? <laughs> right? Like Exactly. Yeah, I wanted to display this, and now it's sitting in a tote or it's sitting up in the closet, like you said. Yeah, it's you want it fully displayed, but then at the end of the day, like, there's so much cool stuff coming out you got to make room for it, and you have to be able to afford it. So do you sell off old pieces to clear space, to bring in more money? It's Man, it's it's tough because you want all of it, but there's no way to afford it. It's it's impossible. It really is. Like I, I was telling Travis, I was like, I think a, a big thing we all have is like when I get my you know, collection exactly how I want it, I'll be happy. But here's the thing. It, that's never a possibility, right? Like you're never, you're never no. done. You're never done collecting. If you got, if you were like, I'm going to collect every figure in GI Joe. Okay. Well, like that's impossible, right? I mean, yep. It just Ab- absolutely impossible. Same with masters or WWE. And I was telling Travis this and I, and I never really thought about it until just recently, but I was like, I don't think 
toy companies are looking at you as a completionist anymore. They're looking at as everyone as a pick and choose. Yes. Because who could buy every WWE Elite figure? Impossible. Right. Absolutely impossible. impossible. But, I mean, you could, but I don't think you have a wife or a kid or a mortgage or rent or yeah. an electricity bill. Like, I don't know how you're able to afford it. It's it's beyond me how people can do it. So, yeah, absolutely. It's a total pick-and-choose environment right now, and that's where I am. I'm even getting there with G.I. Joe, Breaker, to be 100% honest with you. Is I agree. I'm, I'm not trying to complete all of it. Figures are almost 25 bucks now for a single one. And and that's probably going to go up. It, it has to. It has to, along with everything else. But then you've got figures like Serpentor and Shipwreck and Torpedo and these other guys coming out that I'm really trying to narrow it down to ones that I actually had in my collection. So there are certain ones that I'm passing on. I have that Viper one on pre-order, the three-pack, yeah. at BBTS, and it was 90 bucks. And the more I looked at it, I had it in my cart. I had pre-ordered it. And the good thing about BBTS is you don't pay for it until they ship it. Well, the more I thought about it, I'm like, man, do I really need three more Vipers? It's it, Now it's turning into, do I need it? Mm-hmm. Do I have to? Is it something that I'm going to look at and really appreciate after dropping the 90 bucks on it? And that one was one I just I, I let it go. I, I put it back in their stock and, and walked away from it. Just because it's impossible, really, to be that completionist that buys every figure. And I'm not trying to do it with G.I. Joe. At one point I was, but I want to be able to appreciate it and not just have it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I mean, I was the same way. Like, that was one set where I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do this one because it's 90 bucks. That doesn't even seem like a deal. And right. I'm like, I'd rather just get Sergeant Slaughter. You know, like, yes. I'll spend yes. the money there. And like you said, Serpentor, some of these other characters that are coming out, awesome. But I don't know, man. With the figure, I mean, we haven't talked about this much, but if the figure's going up so much in price, do you think that's going to push a lot of collectors away? You know what? I don't think it's going to be so much price point, especially with this picking and choosing now. I think it's going to be more the packaging. Mm-hmm. With them moving away from the the plastic, the windowless packaging, yeah. and the straight cardboard, I think that's going to be what pushes collectors away from certain lines. Yeah. the I know that's, that's kind of not like anyone's choice. It was just kind of forced upon them, but... Yes. That's, I don't know, it's still weird to me. Me and Travis were actually talking about that last night. We recorded a TV Toycast, and I'm like... I understand, but at the end of the day, there's so much more plastic being used in other places than toys. Oh, absolutely. Not yes. to mention a good portion of collectors are mint on card, so they're not even opening it. Right. It's not becoming trash. So I don't know. I guess I don't totally understand why – Why it doesn't seem like it's hit anything else besides toys. And maybe I'm wrong there, but I'm not seeing any other product making changes like that. Right, and you'd think that it would be straight across the board, all products, and yeah, you're right, it just seems like it's hitting toys, and for my purposes, uh, specifically with wrestling figures, I buy those to get them signed Sure. a lot of times. The ones that I'm keeping mint on card, a lot of times I'm doing it to get that figure signed, and it looks great on the plastic window, and you can see the figure inside, Mm -hmm. which honestly is the reason I love toys from a very young age was the appeal of the packaging, the artwork, whatever it might be on there, in addition to being able to see the action figure too, which you were buying. That's why I love getting the wrestling figures signed because it's great-looking packaging, great-looking figure inside, clear plastic window. You get a nice big signature with paint pen across the front. looks great. It's not going to be the same when they're just signing a piece of cardboard that a figure is inside of, you may as well be getting an 8x10 at that point. See, You're not able to see the item. 
me and Jeff kind of talked about that. And Travis, going back to him, he made a great point that I hadn't even thought of. He because he saw the new Marvel Legends um, at I guess at Walmart or Target that were in the new box. And right. I was like, so what did you think? And he goes, well, I passed them twice and I didn't see them. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, oh, they didn't catch my attention because it's a box. It's not. You know, yes, a card. I'm like, ooh, that's an interesting point, right? Like, yep. there's something like we all do it. I mean, you, you go through the toy aisle. You may not be collecting this or collecting that, but to me, that's the sign of something that's exciting. Is it stops you in your tracks when you look at it? Even if you're not going to buy it, you're like, ooh, what is this? It's hard to do that in the box, right? It, but exactly. Like now, you're just looking at a picture of a figure. When right. you're walking by it, and maybe that's not as eye-catching. Say, like Luchasaurus, for example, in the AEW line, mm-hmm. and and I'll use your word. It's it's a very toyetic figure. Right. It, it, that that guy was made to be an action figure. You walk by that in the aisle, just a picture of it isn't going to get your attention. It's not going to make you stop. The actual figure in the package staring at you. That's what's going to get you to stop. So I can, I totally see how Travis would have walked by it because it's it's almost like just a picture there. It's it's not an actual figure that's going to catch your eye. Maybe that's just us old schoolers walking down the trail used to seeing the figures and not just a picture of a figure, but that's absolutely going to take some getting used to for sure. Oh, no doubt about it. It's just it's one of those things where it's hard for me to uh it's hard for me to understand like how I think that this is going to go well, but I mean, who's to say what's going to happen in a year or two years they may all I mean, cuz I I told Travis my point was I I've heard Toy companies are doing this to avoid fines. But okay. if they lose more money than the fine, they may switch it back. You know what I mean? Like, Yes, absolutely. Yeah, at the end of the day, that's their whole goal. They've got to make that money. And I hate to sound like the old guy right. that's like, back in my day, we had this kind of packaging. You know what I mean? But it, it, it definitely detracts from the whole toy buying experience, in my yes. opinion. Because at some point you know, in the next year or two, you're going to go down the figure aisle, and it's just going to be a bunch of pictures of figures. And <laughs> that's just, I, I just I don't like that. That's not the same experience for me and for, for kids that are currently shopping action figures or toys. It can't be the same for them either. Hmm. And again, we, we run into that whole what's in the box. Right. Is it actually the thing that we're seeing the picture of, or has there been a swap? And we know paint applications have been bad, right. sometimes with WWE, but across the board you get bad paint apps. Um, for example, the new gen ring that just came out, uh, Chad Young mm-hmm. took his out of the package and he had dings in his. He had damage to the, the it's entrance a, stage. It's a crowdfunded thing that he's waited a year for. How disappointed is that? You know, like Yeah, exactly. Terrible. And you would think that something like that with that price point would have massive checks and balances before it leaves the factory or out the door. Right. And it just makes you think with these figures now being not prominently displayed behind a plastic window, but just inside of a box, is there gonna be as much quality control or is there gonna be damaged toys, uh swapped toys? It's it, it's a game changer for me, and it really it forces me to <clears throat> excuse me it forces me to look at my collection and do I want to keep buying wrestling figures that I'm just going to display, or do I want ones that I'm just going to open because I can't see it inside the box anyway. Right. That goes across the board for GI Joe, for He Man, any figures I might add to the collection. The DC McFarlands. I, at that point, I I think I'm going to be opening everything. Well, I mean, how could you not, right? I mean, yeah, you can't even see it. Like, I, I know uh, Marvel or Hasbro, I'm sure you saw it. They were do, they're doing those X-Men, like, the 90s cartoon, but they're in the VHS boxes. 
Oh yeah, they they look great, but I'm like, you have to open this right because it's yes. it's in a, a box you can't even see it. Like it doesn't. I don't know how you keep that mint in box, and not to mention things like vintage toy stores. Like, how do you sell that not knowing for sure if that's even what's in there? Like. Exactly. Yeah, that's it's a total game changer. Yeah, it yeah. absolutely is, and I, I'm just on record. I am not a fan of it at all. I'm not either, man. I, I do know one thing that me and you are both huge fans of, and that was the uh, the Hasbro style, like the retros returning. For and, sure, and how yeah. cool that was back when you know Mattel announced the retros, uh, and then of course Mattel cancels the retros. Everyone's, yes, <laughs> everyone's disappointed, and so like everybody's talking about we want retros, we want retros. Well, we got retros now, right? In mass. So many. What are your thoughts on all these companies doing the same style of figure? Well, I don't think it was super great timing because so many jumped in and they're all doing the same style. And they're all really good. I don't want to put a knock on any one. Right. But if we are about to go into a recession – as much as you and I have talked about being pickers and choosers and what we're adding and not being completionists, that's really going to force these guys that are doing the retro figures to get the right names and put them at the right price point. And I just think that there's too many of them in the game right now that, and especially with Mattel jumping back in and doing the, the four packs and they're going to be doing the tag team packs. So the biggest player in the game is again making retro figures. That's even more competition for these guys. And I don't want to call them, you know, small because they're doing a great job, but there's so much competition now for the collector dollar that I don't see all of them surviving. I think you're going to see some fall by the wayside and it's super unfortunate because like I said they're all doing a great job. But man, if you had done this like 4 years ago and you had been able to then ride that COVID wave of nostalgia and everything that came along with it, all the money that was flowing around, I think that would have been perfect timing. But if things are starting to take a downturn, I'm afraid that the timing of some of these are really bad. And I really think there's going to be a few that fall by the wayside because now you're competing with Mattel. Yes. And Mattel's the big game in town. They're going to be the ones that are able to get the names. They've got the, the companies that can pump these figures out quick because that's another thing too. People don't like waiting for their figures. And in a lot of cases, they have to wait for them. Mattel can get them done quicker. So you, when you got the biggest name in the game being your competition, that's that's a tall order, and I just don't see all of them making the cut. No, and that's – you know, me and Travis had a conversation actually the other day with Sal from Rush Collectibles. He kind of okay. reached out to us, and we kind of talked about everything. And, you know, he was actually – like that was kind of exactly what he said. He said, we're doing retros, but I feel like the wave – is kind of going to hit its peak very soon and then start to die down. Yeah. And yeah. And now they're doing the ECW style as well. And I'm like, dude, I'm stoked for that because I think, man, that line was really cool and it didn't last very long. So agree. If, if yeah. You're able to add some key names to that. I think that's huge, huge stuff. Well, I think that's really, really smart of Sal actually, because you do want to kind of find that niche. Yes. You want to make that thing that nobody else is doing because right now we've got an oversaturation of retro styles. Right. But nobody's doing ECW style. I believe it's Chella is doing the Bone Crunchers. Yeah. Nobody else is touching that one. Uh, nobody's jumped on Galoobs yet. You've got Mattel doing the Remco styles. 
So I think that might be the smart play breaker is for somebody to really start jumping into those niche that maybe didn't have a humongous following, but they had that strong cult following like the ECW OSFTMs, for example. That's a really smart play for them because I think he's absolutely right. The retros are great. The people that are making them right now are doing a tremendous job, but it, it comes down to a point of oversaturation. And I think it's already getting there with those retros. So finding another niche is is definitely the smart thing to do. I, yeah, I think so too. And I know they're also doing the retro monsters, which I I personally I'm like that's that's kind of fun that you're doing a Hasbro style Frankenstein. You know, like that's just <laughs> that is cool. It's just so ridiculous. But I'm like that's super fun. So again, I think with any toy line, you do have to find your niche. You have to find something that's different. Um, and then another line that's kind of hit out of nowhere. And me and Travis just talked about this last night. Powertown, the new Legends line. Yes. What are your thoughts on this, man? I'm super, super excited for it. I think it's unfortunate that DiBiase got dropped Mm -hmm. from it for WWE commitments, whatever it might be. But then to replace him with that Brody figure. That Brody is absolutely incredible. And if these things – and Jeff and I have talked about these extensively on the show. I think if these things are anything close to what we're seeing from the renderings, this is going to be a home run for them. And – I honestly, I can't wait to see when these come out. I don't know exactly what the price point is going to be yet. I think the packaging is fantastic. I love the looks of it, the accessories, the belts, the outfits on the figures. Just a a total home run if they can come anywhere near what we've seen. But then again, we start to worry about things like how long are they going to take to get into our hands? What is the price point going to be? There's all those other factors, but... Just on paper, seeing what I've seen so far, I am super excited for this Powertown line. So our discussion last night, Travis brings up a very good point. He was like, seeing the box kind of made me nervous. I was like, okay. He's like, because I'm like, there's no way these aren't like 50 bucks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. Well, and I do know Steve Rosenthal, not Sam, as Jeff might call him. (laughs) He he mentioned – that they're going to be price comparable. So, but is it price comparable to what? Mattel? To Jazzwares? To Super 7? Super 7? Right. I mean, it, yeah, because there's, there's a lot of price comparables out there. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, and it's one of those things like would you buy that for 30 bucks? I mean, that's probably a fair price, you know, considering that's what WWE is charging for their ultimates. Yeah. But at the same time, like that's still a lot of money. So, like, are you buying Brody at that price? Probably. Are you buying Vern Gagne? Probably not, right? I mean, it's... Probably not. It's going to be, again, it's picking and choosing, right? I don't know. It's hard to say. It really is. Yeah, I'm excited to see what other names they throw out there that would be in their Series 2, 3, and forward. Um, $30, that's a no-brainer. Absolutely for that Brody. I was thinking, yeah, it's going to be more in line with, like, Ultimates. Mm-hmm. somewhere between an ultimate and not necessarily like a super seven, but somewhere in that neighborhood, like super sevens, I think are what 55 bucks. I think that's what the NJPWs went for. Yeah. They're 55. And my, my hope is that these are like 30 to 35. If you can do that, I think most people will jump on them. But I think if you start going over that, I mean, if it's 40 bucks that my thought is like, well, that's the price, honestly, of two elites almost. That's two elites. Exactly. I mean, they're going up a little bit now, but I mean, essentially that's kind of where you're at. So would you rather buy two elites or one Vern Gagne? That's the, that's where you're going to get people because everybody's on some type of a budget. So 
Well, exactly. And in yours and my case, Breaker, are we going to go buy two He-Man or two G.I. Joe figures, or are we going to buy a Vern Gagne? Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And at that, excuse me, at that price point, when you're looking at like, because I think it's going to be somewhere between like thirty-five and forty bucks a figure. I that's think that's what we're going to be looking at. I think forty is is probably where they're at. And there's no way you can be a completionist at that point, right? Because you're looking at six figures at forty bucks a pop. Right. Man, you're, after shipping, you're what at two seventy? Yeah. How can you be a completionist on this one? And you're still doing elites and ultimate editions, and it's it's really come down to it. it you have to pick and choose. You absolutely have to pick and choose. And so I think that it's a it's a no brainer. Brody for sure. Even at forty, I'm a buyer on that Brody. It's so good. Uh, I don't think Travis was far off when he says fifty because when you put the shipping cost on there, I think I honestly think you're right there at about fifty bucks. No, I agree, and and that's the thing is like it is a lot of money. I do know that now a lot of websites offer the pay in four, which is kind of a a lifesaver in a lot of yes. these instances where it's like okay, I can pay a quarter of that now and you know a fourth of it every two weeks thereafter. So it's not as hit big of a hit on the wallet, but right. it is still a lot of money. And that, like you said, it might be the difference of like, I'll buy the complete set of six or eh, I'll leave off Fez and Ganya and just get Magnum, Carrie, uh, Hanson and Brody, which I think right. is where I'm leaning towards, I guess, if that makes sense. Oh, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. Those would be the names I'd choose as well. Yeah. That's more in the era that I'm looking to collect. Right. And, and like I said, the box looks great. The the renderings look great. I guess we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, I know you say a lot that, you know, it's it's a great time to be a wrestling figure fan. But uh, it's also a hard time to be a wrestling figure fan because <laughs> you do have to choose, man. It's It's tough. Yeah, my wallet would disagree with me heavily about being a good time to be a wrestling figure collector, right. man. Because yeah, with and plus we haven't even mentioned Mattel with their incredible showing at Comic Con. Sure. Last month, just wow! It, you start looking at all the stuff that's upcoming, and again, that's when I go back to okay, what's in the collection now that I can part with? Mm-hmm. Let's make room. Let's start putting some of that money towards future purchases, because I'm I'm not able to buy everything I want. With my current budget, so some of that older stuff has has got to start going. Well, and that's what's I think good about having uh, figures in your collection. I made I made this point before. I was like, for the most part, you can usually sell a figure for what you have in it, bare minimum. Oh yeah, bare yeah, absolutely yes, yes. So it is Definitely. a nice little thing to have. Like if you're like, man, I really want to buy this new. We'll say the new generation arena, right? And yes. you sell a few kind of high end figures that you're not really into anymore. You could pretty well pay for it, you know. Like it's yes. that's the good thing about. Ha- I mean, Mike the Cleaner. Look at the trades that guy makes. He does that all the time. It's it's smart. Oh no, totally. And and it allows you to keep collecting what you want to. With really, if you're getting rid of figures that don't mean a whole lot to you, mm-hmm. you're not really losing too much at the end of the day. And like you said, as long as you can do a break even or make even more, that's even better. Yeah, I think that's the whole key is like you just want to I, – like I always try to tell people with collecting, just buy what you're into. Like if there's something you're not into it or the line doesn't do it for you anymore – because I mean let's be honest. Like G.I. Joe's great. Masters of the Universe is great. But after a while, you're going to get all the characters that you remember, right? Exactly. Yes. So yes. maybe a three-pack of Vipers doesn't really – you know, like you said, that doesn't really hit anymore. You're like, eh, I can do without that. So yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. I was able to pass on that one easily because then I'm seeing what's upcoming as we had talked about Serpentor and Shipwreck. Like there are these names coming out and I want those in my collection, but do I need three more Vipers? Yeah, it's great they've got the the blasts coming out of the end of the guns now, 
that yeah, they've included awesome. those little. I I love that bit, but I don't want to pay ninety dollars for that. Right. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like I'll wait until they start incorporating that into their main run figures, and I'll be fine with it. What are what are some things right now that you're really enjoying collecting? I obviously I know like you've kind of mentioned a few things, but is there anything else that you're really into right now? Who right now? So Jeff and I went to a toy show in Pleasanton last weekend. And he picked me up the Rock as Black Adam. Oh, nice! It's the the non cloaked version. And man, the head sculpt that Mattel did on the Rock is incredible. Is that, it, is my, that Mattel or McFarlane? Oh, I'm sorry, McFarlane, not Mattel. Right, right. Got him mixed up. Yes, thank you, McFarlane. The job that McFarlane did on that head sculpt rivals anything Mattel has done with the Rock so far. Right. It is so good. So I picked that up. But I've really been looking at the McFarlands lately as, okay, I might – like I've cut out He-Man already. I'm done with He-Man. I'm not buying any – I've got all the figures that mean something to me. Sure. So I think I'm going to start whittling out a little more wrestling, a little more G.I. Joe, and I might start adding more McFarlands in because those figures – man, Jeff and I went on a big opening. When we set up the Detolfs, we went on a big opening spree. So all my McFarland Batman figures got opened up, Ooh, and nice. I'm digging those figures big time. They're good, aren't they? Oh, they they are incredible. So I know you were big into the Marvel Legends a few years ago. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like I'm starting to get there with the McFarlands. Right. And I'm I'm not as big into comic books as I used to be by any stretch. I'm just appreciating the figures that he's putting out because those things are just awesome. Well, do you know what I what hits me the most about the McFarlands right now? They didn't jump in price. They're still twenty bucks. Yeah, they're still twenty, and they're getting better. Yes, that is yeah, enough. They're getting better. To- to, for me to think, you know what? Marvel Legends are 26, 27, 28 now. And, and it's that cardboard packaging. McFarlane still has the windowed so far. So far, right. And then they just released superpowers. And, um, yes. And Travis went nuts for those because he grew up on superpowers. And, you know, that was, right. was about a generation ahead of me, but still, I thought they were really cool. But they're 10 bucks. And I'm like, dude, that seems so cheap in figure, you know, in figures today. $10? Like, yes. Absolutely, I want to dive into those because it's it's a cheap price point. There's something about that. So, uh, you know, I think McFarland's doing great stuff. I, I I love all like every figure that they put out. I'm just like they did one line. It was like it was from the Three Jokers comic, and it was three different versions of the Joker. And yeah, they were. I've all, got one of those. Yeah, they're all just incredible. You know, I'm just like man, that those are some great figures. He has. There's some like I want to see like the classic version of a lot of the villains. Like I haven't seen a two face or, you know, the Riddler besides like the movie version. I want some right. classic villains, but I feel like that they're doing that on purpose and they're kind of spacing everything out. They have to, because they can't release everything at once because who can, again, who can afford to buy all that, right. but he's doing it really smart. He's, he's sending them out in pieces. Yeah. Right. He's doing like four at a time. And even with the superpowers that you had mentioned at $10 a pop, he's only doing three figures at a time. It's not out of the realm of possibility now to where you can collect all of the superpower. You can actually be a completionist in that superpowers line. I think the vehicles are twenty. Yeah. Each figure's ten. So you're talking like what, sixty, seventy bucks, and you've got the two vehicles and all the figures so far? Yeah, it's not a bad that's deal. That's not horrible. No, not at all. And I think that's to me what I think is so cool about about what they're doing. Like they also have the Batman sixty six figures at Target. And, yes. and I haven't dove into those, but it's like, man, those are really cool too. Like those are great figures. And, they really are. Yeah. And I know Nate from Ring Skirts is really getting into one, but it's just like, you know, you have to find your limits sometimes. And like when I, when I first saw that they did superpowers, I was like, 
I'm in. You know, I'm all in on those because had they because I'm I really thought these are gonna be twenty bucks, and Travis is like, I think, yes. I think they're ten. I'm like, no way, they're twenty. I guarantee you, they're twenty. Ten dollars, and even at twenty. That's still a deal at fifteen to twenty bucks for those, right? Because anybody that's that was a superpower uh, superpower fan back in the day, they're going to be all over them. There's no doubt. It's that nostalgia factor, right? But the fact that they're ten, well, now you don't need to just get Batman or just get Superman. You get the whole set. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it's think, completely affordable. Yeah, and I think that's actually like sometimes price point does kind of limit me. Where I'm like, it's not that I can't afford it, but it's just like I feel like that's too much. Um, a good example yeah. of that is the new Superstars line. I think that that's great. It's Remco style. Uh, they have clothing. It's awesome. But, you know, when they were doing Masters of the WWE Universe, those were 15. Now these are 20. I'm like, mm. that just yeah. seems like too much to me. You know, and it kind of just keeps me out of that line completely almost. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a good parallel to draw because those are basically those same figures. And you get accessories with the, the Motu wwe crossover you get accessories with the new superstars line i think the advantage they have in the superstars line i think the names they're just knocking them out of the park they're getting all of the names that are appealing to the old remco collectors oh yeah and the soft goods i think are are a big factor in those because that is also a little love letter back to remco because remco was all soft goods so i'm a big fan of them but like you breaker at 20 bucks i'm out if they were 15 I'd probably have a couple of them, but it's one of those. If I buy one or two, I'm going to want every single one of them in the set. Exactly. You know, because they come out in, in batches of four. I'm going to want to be a completionist at that point. But man, for eighty bucks, I'm getting four figures. Ugh, that's <laughs> right. that's a little steep to me. It I'm is. paying for what I would pay for an elite for a Remco style figure, and that's it. Doesn't make sense to me in my head. I just I can't warrant it. It is. It's a lot of money, and, th- and that's kind of what what my thought is too. It's just like. It's easier for me to just completely get out than pick and choose, I guess, sometimes. Yes. And that's one of those things where I'm like, okay, you know what? That's just too much. Um, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's going to bug me. If I've got, yeah. like, Hogan and Flair sitting on the wall from Series 1, and then I've got an HBK and a Warrior from Series 2, I'm going to look at that, and instead of appreciating the figures I've got, I'm going to look at it and go, damn it, I don't have the whole set. <laughs> you know, right, exactly. It would bother me. <laughs> well, in that, my in that first series that Bray Wyatt I was just like I do not like that at all like it was just no it didn't really make sense to be in the line and but then like series two is like oh it's pretty cool Hall and Nash I'd rather have Fraser and Diesel but that's cool makes sense for Hollywood Hogan that's Sean's cool but then that Ultimate Warrior is like incredible oh it's so good and then series three they showed that Undertaker Mankind Papa Shango and Teddy Biasi I'm like holy crap and then you know Comic-Con we've seen like The Rock Mr. T Rick Rude The Natural Disasters like so much cool stuff (laughs) Yeah, and the fact that the natural disasters have the singlets on that are cloth, yes. and you can take them off. Like, are you kidding me? You didn't need to go all out like that, Mattel. But they just—they're absolutely knocking out of the park. But it's funny that you mentioned that Bray Wyatt. When I first saw that figure, honest breaker, I had no idea who that was. I didn't either. I was like, wait, who? I thought <laughs> who it was that? Edge at first, and I'm like, I've never seen him wear a top <laughs> hat. I don't like. Yeah. What is going on here? But yeah, I, I, I agree. I was just like, wow, what the heck is that? Like, why would you make that when you could do The Fiend? Like, that was so weird yes, to me. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like, The Fiend would look great in that scale. But right. even, like, because the names that they've done so far, it's a lot of Golden Era to, like, Attitude Era. And to have a current, mostly current name as it is Bray Wyatt in that one, it, it's a real outlier. Like, man... That was the one modern guy you chose, and it was in that look? Like, man, I, 
They must have thought it was super toyetic, but to me, that one was a miss. I think that they could have picked a much better name, like, say, like a Ricky Steamboat for Series 1 instead of Bray Wyatt. No offense to Bray, I just would have rather had a Ricky Steamboat from, say, WrestleMania 3 in that in that assortment. Oh, for sure. And I think that's kind of what people wanted, right? They want that 90s style, like or like guys from that 80s to 90s era, not a current-day guy. That doesn't really... It doesn't fit with the line. So, yeah, I agree. I think that's – even, like, when they threw some random guys in the Masters of the WWE Universe line, like, you know, the Fiend kind of worked, but then they threw in, like, a Strowman or a Seth Rollins. It's like – it's not bad, but I'd rather have classic characters. Yes, exactly, because that just fits in with that era of He-Man, too. Right, exactly. Yep. Um, well, let's do transition to wrestling. Are you still watching wrestling as much these days? No, honestly, I'm not. Really, the only wrestling I'm watching is when I'm doing research for Drunk Wrestling History and we're doing a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm, I've really just kind of fallen out of it. I'll watch the big shows. Like, I watch some of SummerSlam. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, to be quite honest, I've just, I've kind of lost interest in it. I mean, I'm excited about Survivor Series coming up. It's always the big fours that I'll tune in for. Sure. But, you know, the, the week-to-week shows, and I'll be perfectly honest, I've only watched a little tiny bit of AEW. Um, and nothing against what's going on there. I just, man, I think I just got burnt out. Maybe doing all the podcasts. I don't know. Just got burnt out on it. Isn't it weird how we were young? We would yearn for more wrestling to watch. We get older, and it's like I can't even find the time to watch to even keep up, somewhat keep up. Right? Yes. Yeah, that's what a lot of it is. Yeah, and I couldn't get enough as a kid. I mean, we were watching nwa in at, at our time it was 305 here on the west coast sure uh we were watching two hours of that we were watching an hour of saturday morning wwf two hours of primetime wrestling the occasional clash of champions you know every little bit and when we could get it we were watching the uwf on like channel 36 out here when we could get it late on a saturday night uh tuning in to try to find ecw in the late 90s like every little bit that we could get of wrestling we would ingest it we take everything we could get but yeah now that like Time isn't as much as it used to be around here. Just trying to find that time to watch all the wrestling that's on right now is it's crazy. Like I don't even know how how anybody can keep up on every single show like Eddie does, for example. Eddie watches everything. I'm like, dude, how? Right? <laughs> where are you finding all this time to watch everything? I mean, Grant, he's not watching like NJPW, but all of the WWE shows, he's watching all of the AEW shows. Just more power to you if you can keep up, man. That's great. Yeah, I feel like it's just harder nowadays, right? And and I'm guilty, I'm sure you are too, like getting on Netflix, let's find something to watch, and then you like you spend an hour searching for something and <laughs> haven't, yeah. haven't even yeah. watched anything. It's very easy to do that, but I don't know, man. It's it's kind of crazy. I remember as a kid when I was kind of busy with sports, I couldn't always watch Monday Night Raw, so I always watched like the Saturday morning and Sunday morning you know, recap shows, superstars. You know, right. it always kind of yep. changed up. It was an action zone at one point, all those different names, but what was interesting about that is when I would watch that, I always wanted to watch the full show. Like, man, I hate clips. I want to watch like the full show. Now I'm like, man, a clip show would be nice. You know, like, yeah, they could sum it up for me. That would be great. A 30 minute <laughs> recap of everything important that happened. Like that's where it's at. Right. Like, yes, there's 100%. something about that. That's like, man, that would be, I don't even know if they do that, but I think they definitely should. Oh, absolutely. But I'm definitely hearing good things about what Triple H is doing since he took over the creative. Yes. Uh, it sounds to me like I'm not hearing as many people fast-forwarding through Raw as there used to be. Yeah. Because it used to be a lot of fast-forward through the bits and just get to the matches. Yep. sounds like there's a lot less of that, more wrestling happening. So I'm really excited to see where he takes WWE because Shawn Michaels took over NXT. So I'm, I'm very, very excited to see where DX takes the WWE now creatively. 
Well, you know what's funny is I know there's been a lot of like little Easter eggs kind of thrown in like the backstage segments. Yes. Genius. And the reason I say that, I know you're a fan of the Marvel movies and stuff, but like that's why people set to the end credits because there's a little teaser for something new. Right. So to me, like you take this meaningless stuff of two guys who are going to argue and ultimately it's going to lead to a match. Like we've seen it a million times. It's not exciting. But you throw a little hand that shows up backstage or something going on in the background. It's kind of like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Like it intrigues you. It makes you tune in. makes you – focus and you're not on your phone you're not on twitter you're actually like okay what's going on here what is this I right think it keeps smart. it must watch yeah absolutely yeah well it, remember back in the day when you were watching raw and nitro right you had to watch every show and you didn't want to look away because you didn't know what you were going to miss something big was going to happen you didn't want to want to miss it and hopefully we can get back to that where like you said you're not on your phone you're not just kind of spacing out on you're actually paying attention and watching everything because you don't want to miss something big happen Exactly. And I think that's what's been missing from pro wrestling in general for a long time. And I think a lot of that is the fact that WWE really didn't have a competition, right? Like Vince. Correct. And I'm not saying like he's out of touch or anything because I think we owe a lot of our childhood's memories to Vince. But Totally. Yes. But I think there was a period there where he got more into just doing what he wanted as opposed to like putting on the best product possible. Like, I mean, I remember watching like the Diva Search segments on raw right like Ugh, what the hell yeah. is that you know like I, I, <laughs> yeah I, I remember <laughs> i remember one very specifically and I, I brought it up a few times where like they were in the, they would put them into a room and they would open like a curtain and kamala was going to be there and they the girls had to seduce kamala while he's like slapping his belly and stuff uh, and i'm like uh, hey i'm all for kamala getting a payday right but <laughs> yeah what the hell is this like this is so bad <laughs> like but it's like they had no competition as far as wrestling, That's not really. It. So like yes. they could they could do stupid stuff like that. That's it. And I've always said it too. Vince is better when he has competition. Yeah. And he didn't have to worry about somebody nipping at his heels. He was just doing stuff that made made him laugh, or he found amusing, or he found interesting. Right. But at that point, like you had said, you lose touch with your audience, and I think the numbers absolutely reflected that. I'm hoping that Triple H and HBK feel AEW nipping at their heels. Oh, yeah. And their product is going to get better. I think you're already seeing signs of it. Yep. I think that they're bringing back names that should not have been released in the first place. Gargano is a perfect example of that. Even Dexter Loomis bringing back guys, Karrion Cross, mm-hmm. guys that should have never been let go to begin with, and they're going to make it right. And the product's only going to get better. If anything, it's going to be fresh. It's not going to be the same old stale stuff we've seen over the last four to five years. Right. We're just like, oh, gosh, this again. It's going to be fresh. It's going to be something new. And I think WWE has sorely needed that for a long time. Because now, like you said, they've actually got some competition. Well, and I think also, too, in the past, right, like it was Monday night television, right? So you come home from work or, or school or whatever it is. And if you're wanting to watch raw, you flip to the USA network. Yep. And I remember like trying to find something fun to watch before raw because uh, what's on, what's on at seven, uh, you know, cause out here it starts at eight. So yeah, not? what's on at seven, you know, fear factor was on. So I, w- I used to watch that because that was on before raw, right? Just something that that would hit now. Mm-hmm. People don't have to flip channels because very few people really keep cable anymore. So That's totally correct, yeah. Streaming has hit, I think, so much more where people are like, you know what? I want to go binge Stranger Things or any of these other shows. And 
you know, Raw was kind of crappy last week. I'll just, you know, we'll just watch Stranger Things instead. You know, I think that's happening more. Yes. And that is, it's been a long, like, stretch where more and more people fall off and eventually ratings just decline. Well, because there's only so many times that you can tell yourself, ah, Raw was bad last week, but I'll check it out this week. Mm-hmm. It's going to be so many consecutive bad shows. You're absolutely right. People are just going to start falling off. But again, I, I really hope that with the new blood that's come in, that's running creative. And I'm anxious to see, like, look, WrestleMania is pretty much sold out without one match announced. Right. So I think that there's a lot of, and WrestleMania, that was going to happen anyway, but maybe not sell out this quickly. I think there's a lot of fan interest, a lot of fan excitement to see what Triple H can do. And, I mean, so far, small sample size, but I think so far he's done a great job. So who knows where we're going to be by WrestleMania, but are we still calling Rock versus Roman? That's kind of what I'm seeing. I mean, eventually you have to do that, right? And in Hollywood, it just makes too much sense. It does. Well, not to mention, like if you if you don't do it now, when do you do it? Like he's he's exactly. been the champion for so long. At this point, yes. you can't. Does he lose it to Survivor? Does he lose it to Drew at Clash of the Castle? I doubt it. I mean, I don't think so. Like, does he lose it at Survivor? I mean, it's like you have to kind of. It's got to be a big win, right? And so you have to do something that makes the most sense and. You know, at this point, Roman's become like the name. You know, he's the that's what the business is built upon right now is his name, right? He's the top guy. hundred percent. And I don't remember the last time they had somebody hold a title like this. I was a CM Punk. Yeah, but I I don't even think he's the closest. Incredible run with Roman. And I'll admit, this actually goes back to the golden era of longer title runs. Yes. Which I'm a huge fan of. I don't like the, the quick reigns. You know, you win it on Monday, you lose it the following Sunday at the pay-per-view. I always hated that. It it made the title, in my mind, lose a lot of luster. And the fact that they have kept the title on Roman this long, like you just said, Breaker, it has to be a big moment with that when that belt changes hands because of the job they've done booking him so far and really raising the status of that world title. Now it has to be a big moment when he loses it. That's the thing that happens when you're able to put this much time, this much effort into a guy, have him be champion this long. You create that big moment when he drops it. So, yeah, it, it has to be a WrestleMania moment as far as I'm concerned. That – I mean, who else does he work with? Does it do Brock again? I mean – Oh gosh, that I think that that's run its course, man. Sure, I mean, like, there's really not anyone you can run it back with. Like, he's no Cena, Brock. I mean, it's there's no one else, right? It's you're not bringing Braun Strowman back as a monster. Like, that just wouldn't make any sense. So, I feel like it's got to be The Rock. And I mean, I guess time will tell. Maybe Seth Seth Rollins, because I think that there's a ready-made feud right there. Sure, that's easy, right? You go right back to the Shield. That's that's easy. But, yeah, I think The Rock makes just so much sense. And it's in Hollywood. You have it main event Sunday. It's just, it just seems the stars have aligned for that moment to happen. Like you said, you need to pull the trigger now because how much longer do you want to wait to actually make money with that match? Well, I mean, let's be honest. You know, Rock's not getting younger either. I mean, I know he's in yes. phenomenal shape, but he's probably around 50, I would imagine. So he probably doesn't have too many big matches left in him. Well, look at the last time he had a match. Guy tore himself up in the ring and <laughs> was injured, and it took time away from his movie. And gosh, that was ten years ago. So yeah. you're absolutely right; he's not getting any younger. Right, and exactly. It's been ten years since he's done that big match. So right, yeah, you gotta be you gotta be careful. But I think yep. this match will be will be huge. I, I would like to see it. I think it'll be a lot of fun. 
it could be one of the biggest WrestleMania matches of all time. I mean, it's going to be up there for sure with Roxena. I don't know if you're pushing Andre and Hogan, but it's it's definitely going to be up there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely up there with, like, Rock and, and Hogan and, and, like you said, Rock and Cena, which, of course, The Rock is going to insert himself into all those big ones. But it, of makes, course. it makes the most sense, I think. It totally does. And it's an easy moneymaker for the WWE. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I don't know if you saw this. They actually kind of teased this in that Young Rock TV show. Have you ever watched that? I have not watched it, but I did hear Roman had talked about it, that they had teased it in Young Rock. Yeah. Basically, it shows, um, you know, Young, probably probably the Rocky Maivia era Rock watching, you know, WWE television right before he signs and stuff. And, like, Roman's a little kid, like, climbing all over him and... And like someday I'll have a match with you, and he's like, the only place you'll have a match with me is at WrestleMania. Uh huh. Yeah, it was kind of. It was definitely. It was more than a wink and a nod. That's for sure. Interesting. And Rock doesn't do anything just to do it. It's got to have meaning behind it. So he's already planting seeds for that. Do you think The Rock comes back and wins the Royal Rumble to set up that match, or do you think they even need that? I don't think that you need that. I mean, it, it would be a feel good moment, but. I don't think that you need it. But then, like, what does the Royal Rumble winner do at WrestleMania? And that's the point, right? Like, because Roman's got both titles, so. <laughs> Unless I they mean, split them up, which I guess has been discussed. Yeah, right. I mean, that makes sense. But I, I just feel like if if he did come out at, at the Royal Rumble, number 30, or near the end, it could be a moment similar to Edge. That Edge return was huge. Oh, my gosh. I still watch that and get goosebumps to this day. Well, we all kind of heard rumors of it, but. When that music no, that's hit. the crazy part. I had no idea. Oh, you didn't? Really? I didn't hear anything about it. So when his music hit, it took me a sec to get it registered as, oh, wait, that's Edge's music. Yeah. So that to me was – and that's what I love about wrestling are those kind of moments you don't see coming. Yeah. It's kind of like toy collecting when you don't know something is coming out and you walk down the aisle and you see it there. You're, you're blown away. Like I didn't know this was coming out. It's that shock factor. And that's one of the biggest things for me with wrestling. And, man, it's those kind of moments are the ones that bring me back for sure. So, yeah, if The Rock came back at the Royal Rumble as 30, oh, man. That Especially would, with no announcement. It would be huge if they, if they were able yes. to pull that off. Um, speaking of, you know, toys, we're about to wrap it up. But there's a thought I've always had. Do you think the retros would have been even bigger if there was no announcement about them? They didn't show them at Comic-Con. All of a sudden, people just walked in Walmart and they saw that retro Series 1 Brock Lesnar hanging on the pegs. Oh, easily. I mean, yeah. Because yeah. superpowers kind of did that. Of course, now you're not seeing them on the pegs. You're going to see them online first, probably, cause, unless you happen to be the first one to see them. But they're going to be posted. But still the thought of, oh, my God, they're bringing back Hasbro's. Like, how huge is that, right? Oh, that would have been amazing if they had not done any kind of announcement. And then at such, essentially at that point, you're watching social media. Mm-hmm. Right, because, okay, who's finding them next? Where are they finding them? Right. What stores are they finding them at? Yeah, you're following social media at that point because no announcement. I think they did that with the Then Now Forever set. Yes, they did. And it was one of those you walked down the aisle and it's sitting there and you had no idea. And it's that excitement. But with, with everything now, with as easy it is to get information, it's just – those surprises are so few and far in between. It would have been great if they could do that with the retros. Yeah, and that's the thing is like superpowers is the last thing I can recall where someone on I'm Facebook friends with just posted it. I'm like, whoa. Yes. Holy crap. So I sent it to Travis. He's like, is that new? And I'm like, yes. Like they're in stores. I thought they were customs. Right. And yeah. because there are guys that have been doing a lot of superpower customs on Instagram right. and stuff. Right. And I'm just like, holy crap. 
it's it's a new line from McFarlane. Like it says at the bottom, McFarlane. He's like, oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, that's what that's what toy collecting was fun for back in the day, right? Because you literally had no idea what you're going to be walking into. Nope, unless you saw it on a toy commercial, but typically by the time you saw the commercial, they were already in stores. Right. And you had already gotten that surprise. I remember seeing G.I. Joe figures, wrestling figures. You know, the S.D. Jones and Bruno San Martino at Toys R Us is one of my favorite moments where I walked down and had no idea they were coming out. Right. And they're sitting on the pegs. It's just, it's that excitement. And, man, that's the one thing about the thrill of the hunt, the the going shopping for toys that I love. That's mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest moments is when you're not expecting it and it's sitting there. Oh, I love that. Oh, I'll never forget the first time I saw Hasbro's because I saw them from a distance. They were on an end cap and that big bright blue card with that iconic WWF logo. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know what I was seeing, but I had to run towards it. I was like, oh, my God. And, you know, I'm seeing them all like Macho <laughs> Man, Jake the Snake, Demolition. I was yep. just like, oh, I have to have one. I have to have one, you know, like because it's like it's that's what it's about. And anytime. Like I'd go to a KB or a Toys R Us, always looking through, like, oh my gosh, they have a new guy! Like it's <laughs> like that was such a cool thing. And then of course you're turning it around to look on the back, like, oh man, they're making Mr. Perfect, they're making Undertaker. Like that was such a cool, that was such a cool feeling back in the day. And I, that's one thing I do wish was replicated today. Although I feel like now that's more like Instagram live streams and stuff, right? Like that's what it's become. yes. And and I get it because we have more technology than we did then, but. Man, there was something special about that time. No, there really wasn't. It's funny you mentioned that, Breaker, about like seeing the, the Hasbro figures. Jeff and I, when we were watching Primetime Wrestling, we were watching on a little 13-inch television. And Bobby and Gorilla would usually have LJN figures on the desk. Mm-hmm. Well, the time went on, the LJN, LJN line dropped away. And one week we tune in, and here's Bobby and Gorilla, and they've got these little tiny figures on the desk in front of them. And Jeff and I... Are like, what the hell are those? And so <laughs> right. we're racing up to our little 13-inch television, squinting our eyes as hard as we could, and we're like, oh, I think that's Jake, and I think that's – we're trying to pick out the figures. I think they have like at least half the set sitting on the desk, and right. we're trying to figure out who's who. That's how we found out that Hasbro's were coming out. Right. And that was exciting, like actually finding out on a wrestling program about Hasbro's or new figures coming out. But we were blown away because these things were like a fraction of the size of the LJN. Right. They looked like they were actually poseable. You're like – Oh my God, what are these and when are they coming out? So now you're at Toys R Us every single week trying to score these things. Ah, so much fun, man. That's, but that's I loved what, it. That's what was collecting was about, right? Trying to find stuff, hearing about stuff. and I mean, I remember even kids at school saying, like, I saw this at, at Walmart. And I'm like, you know, getting home, Mom, we need to go to Walmart. You know, like, <laughs> I don't yes. know if this is true, but that's yes. what he said. We got to go find it. You know, it's just, yeah, that, that's what made collecting so fun back in the day. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Man, Scott, this has been so much fun catching up with you. Um, I know, obviously, people can check out Fully Posable every Sunday. And I know you do Drunk Wrestling History with your buddy Eddie, which I'd like to get Eddie on this show. I think that'd be a lot of fun to, to talk with him. Oh, I think you'd have a blast talking to him. He's a character. Definitely. Um, but anything else you want to plug before we get out of here, man? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Like Breaker said, you can find Drunk Wrestling History and Fully Posable wherever you find your podcast at. Uh, fully Posable is at Fully Posable or on Instagram, Fully Posable WFP. Our Drunk Wrestling History Twitter is at Wrestling underscore Drunk. 
Uh, check us out. Give us show ideas. We're always looking for show ideas for Drunk Wrestling History. We'll review old pay-per-views, uh, old angles. If you want us to talk about a specific wrestler, you know, are they Hall of Fame worthy? Shoot us ideas. If you've got an idea, just send it to us. Wrestling underscore drunk on Twitter. And aside from that, Breaker, thanks for having me on, dude. It's always a blast. Oh, like I said, this is so much fun. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. I highly recommend everyone listening to check out Drunk Wrestling History and Fully Posable. Definitely something for everybody. And uh, Scott, hopefully we can do it again down the road, man. Sounds great, Breaker. I can't wait, man. All right, back here to close it up on, you know, it's fake, right? The ongoing battle with the dirtiest four-letter word in professional wrestling. Uh, shout out to my guest, the one and only Scott Toon. He's, uh, he's awesome. He's great to talk with. One of my favorite guests to have. And, you know, like I said, I had Jeff on a few weeks ago, so it was only fitting to have Scott on. And uh, make sure to check out Fully Posable every Sunday and also check out Drunk Wrestling History, which is another totally different podcast, but is so much fun. So check out all the things Scott's doing. He's doing some great stuff out there. Good dude. I Always been one of my favorite people to, to have on the show. Just absolutely hilarious and uh, just a really, really fun guy to talk with. So and once again, shout out to Scott for being on the show. Next week, my guest, um, another guy who I have not have had on a podcast before he's, he's done an episode of breaker and Maid's power hour, but I've never had him by himself. He is one half of the tag team London calling. He's the one and only dirty Dutch Hagen, former WFC tag team champion. Um, I had London call London calling, excuse me on as a tag team back on the power hour days a few years ago, but never had uh, Dutch on individually. And I, you know, I had Richie on a few weeks ago, so it was only fitting to get Dutch on the show as well. And, you know, Dutch is a guy I've known, you know, off and on. I mean, I've known him for years, but you know, I never really have sat down and talked with him for this period of time. So it was really, really cool to get his uh, his story. You know, how he started and and everything involving pro wrestling, especially on the independent level, because I think wrestling is so different for everybody. So definitely fun stuff. So he'll be coming up next week. So make sure to check that out and uh, make sure to give me a follow at Brian Breaker ODR on Twitter at Brian Breaker on Instagram and as always I always throw it out there if you have someone you think might be a good fit for the show hit me up let me know give me some ideas because I'm always looking for different guests because I think that's what makes the show fun um, of course I want to shout out some of our podcasting buddies obviously um, plenty of shout outs this week but the fully posable wrestling figure podcast and drunk wrestling history uh, doing the favor with Eric and Barry the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast with Steve and Eric. In fact, I need to get Steve back on the show. He's always a fun guy to talk with. The Ringside Rant with RJ. The Leisure and Lariats Podcast with Ruthless Ryan Davidson. In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan. Boot to the Face with Marty and Rucker. Tales from the Estate with Drew Venzel, his wife Kaylin, and of course the twins over there who are getting bigger every time I see a picture of them. It's crazy. Um, Wreck My Podcast with Jordan Zeilinger and his crew. Trivia with Buds with the one and only Ryan Buds. Howlin' with the Wolf, with the one and only Jason Wolf, and of course his amazing chop shop. Uh, Wolf was actually at a convention uh, this week, or this past weekend rather, and you know he was teasing some of the prints that he had made. That's one of those things I I sometimes forget how much cool artwork he's done. I, I saw this Universal Monster like slash Masters of the Universe like um, thing that he did. I'm like, man. I need that. That is so cool. So, yeah, like, it's one of those things. Make sure you give Jason a follow. He's always throwing out some really, really cool artwork. Very, very fun stuff. Um, also, check out uh, my other podcast, Breaker and Bane's Power Hour, drops every Sunday. 
and the TB Toy Cast dropping every Thursday with uh, me and Travis Fowler. This past week, we did a, uh, a deep dive on Nickelodeon Gak. Remember that stuff? That was huge in the 90s. Um, so much fun. So that, to me, is what's fun about that show. Yeah, we want to cover action figures and Ninja Turtles and Masters of the Universe and WWE, of course. But it's cool to do a deep dive on something totally different from time to time. And also, uh, my my, ba- my boy Bane, my pal, like he's uh, my podcast partner. He's putting out a ton of new music. He did uh, Long Live a Hero's Fable. That's available now. It's his last rap album. And now he just released The Spine and the Veil, the, uh, the his new alternative pop album. In a couple of months, this guy's put out two albums. Absolutely insane. You can stream them on Spotify, and he revealed you can stream them on Google and Amazon, several other music platforms. And, of course, you can pick them up on Apple. I definitely recommend them. Great tunes. It's always cool to see him putting out new music. And you can find all of our t-shirts at uh, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Brian Breaker, BBPH.RedBubble.com, Watermaneuver.net. Search by store for Breaker and Bane's Power Hour, TV Toycast, Bane, Fully Posable, Doing the Favor, the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast, uh, the Leisure, uh, I'm sorry, In the Marbles has a store, Boots of the Face has a store, Tales from the State has a store. So many guys have stores, so check all that out. And... Now, TB Toycast is officially available on storefrontier.com forward slash TB Toycast. We have all of our three designs, including our brand new game time decision design, available there. So check that out if you want to pick up a shirt. And I'm working on getting a store ready for Breaker and Mains Power Hour, so stay tuned for that. Thank you guys for checking out You Know It's Fake Right. And remember, as the great Johnny Valentine once said, I can't make you believe that pro wrestling is real, but I sure as hell can make you believe that I am. I'm Brian Breaker. This, as you know, it's Fake Right. And we'll see you guys next week. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. I've been around for a minute, and I can stand toe-to-toe with the best of the minute. Don't give a damn about critics, they talk a lot, but at the end of the night, I'm selling the tickets. All the tough guys avoid me, the ladies all adore me, paparazzi record me, I can put on a clinic, all my opposers are born.